0: You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I feel uh, this is a little deep um, just to get going, but um, I feel like there's been some people that are just uh, really stuck in a, uh, a place of Like extremely foggy. I know that we all have foggy days in our mind and we all have times that are just, we're tired or we've had a long week. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a place where it's actually almost interfering with your work, things that you've always been able to do. It's just you can't do it. Um, Is there anybody in here that say, I've been struggling with that. Whether you know what it is or whether you don't know what is, it doesn't matter. God, it will heal it. Raise your hand. Okay. All right, we're going to pray over you. Let them. They're almost done. Yeah, they're almost done. I'm going to let them. As soon as we stand up, it goes crazy. We're trying to pass baskets. Um, Raise your hand one more time. We can sit and do this. Look around. Be the church. Put your hand on somebody around you. Extend your hand towards them. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to bless them. There is an easy breakthrough in the room this morning. Sometimes when you've had a long struggle with something, It's hard to believe that, and that's okay. But that's where those of you that that's not been your portion, you can believe on behalf of them right now. And so um, I want you just to bless their mind. We're going to start this way. I want you to bless their mind with clarity. I want you to bless it, and any, just. I want you to begin to speak blessing over them, and I want you to do it out loud so the person that you're praying for can hear you pray for them, okay? So take 30 seconds and pray out loud over that person all throughout the room. If you're not right next to them, you can still pray in tongues, pray over them, and just pray over them for a moment. Jesus, we bless in Jesus' name. If you're being prayed for, just receive. All you need to do is receive. Just receive. Just receive. We bless your mind in Jesus' name. That complete clarity, even abilities to do skills, uh, musicians even maybe, or artists that have been struggling even in the process of trying to, in art, that's clearing up right now. That's clearing up right now be blessed in Jesus' name. You're going to feel almost like a a brightness coming. Some of you, I feel like you're going to begin to like someone turns the lights on. You're going to start feeling like a brightness. It's almost like not visual brightness, but it's almost like a sense of brightness in your mind right now. In Jesus' name. If you're being prayed for and you feel something's happening, you feel like something is improving, I just want you to wave your hand right now. Just wave your hand. Yeah, right there. Just right there. Right there. This is important. Here's why it's important right here. Jesus prayed. Remember the blind man he prayed for? And he said, how are you doing? He said, I see men as trees. Remember that? So if Jesus sometimes prayed and it didn't happen all the way, we got to pray sometimes a little more than once, Okay. And so we're going to do it again. Pray for him again. Put your hand back on him. Extend your hand towards him for another moment. We're believing for God to finish it in Jesus' name. Some of you, he may give you a word of knowledge. That's interesting. Some of you may actually, as you're being prayed for, he may give you a word of knowledge of something that's creating this in your life. Maybe it's something in your diet. Maybe it's something that you're doing. But listen to the Holy Spirit while you're being prayed for. Because I feel like some of you is going to actually not just heal you, he's going to tell you what's wrong. So in Jesus' name again, we pray Father, over the minds of everyone in here, that there would be complete clarity. I speak peace. That fight or flight is is calming down right now. The peace of the Lord is coming on you right now. In Jesus' name, we bless your mind. We bless your mind. We bless your mind. We bless your mind. Just take another moment. We bless your mind. We bless your mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe it's done. I believe for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just stay in that place of just receiving from the Lord this morning. Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's okay to just wait a second. I just feel like we need to wait just a moment, just quietly before the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Healing. You don't have to respond to this. I've had this word uh, more than once in the past year. And it's it's usually a word that uh, there's a lot of side effects with it, and it's actually that some people are actually like heart sick. There's things that have happened. There's things whether it be a, search, a situation that's actually caused so much um, pain in your heart. It's like your heart is sick, and it's causing side effects of sickness in your body. And you don't have to raise your hand for that, but I believe God is going to come in and, and just bring some healing to that this morning. So Holy Spirit, Father, we ask that you come right now to those folks that just feel heart sick. Maybe it's a loved one that's been lost. Maybe it's someone that's moved. Maybe it's so many different things, a relationship that went bad, but you've just felt sick in your heart almost. Holy Spirit, bring your peace. Bring your grace in that area right now. And touch that area in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you God. Thank you God. Now Lord, we ask that if, this is a big prayer, but Father, every sickness in this room, yes, right now, I, I commanded to go yes. in Jesus name. I believe that you can do mass healing, <laughs> no problem yeah. in Jesus' name. Disease, go whoa, I see somebody. I, I see like a, I don't know if it's cancer, but I see a, like a claw, and I saw it just like a hand grabbing on, and I saw it open. In the name of Jesus, go. Go, in Jesus' name. I know that some of this you can't even check for, but Lord, I just pray that there would be fruit, that they'd begin to feel different, and just be aware of this. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I want to talk for a few minutes about prayer, if you didn't catch it. It's a subtle, I know. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I've, I've really uh, I wanted to handle this right this morning because I want to maybe present some ways of thanking, some ways of praying that may not be your normal. I believe that prayer is an prayer is an interesting area in the life of believer. Just from my experience, I've been around a lot of people that really understand like they're coming into a lot of revelation of their identity in the Lord. I talk about this often. I hit on it last week and uh, understanding the importance of being you know Jesus throughout your Bible. Without going into a teaching on this, he communicated he. Not even communicated. He interacted with people in the context of covenants. You have covenants through your Bible. How many know you don't just read your Bible like it's Old Testament, New Testament? It's got covenants that within these covenants, these different books of your Bible are in these covenants. And if you understand them, it helps because there's certain things you begin to say, why did he do that? And so God has always operated, He's always interacted with His kids within covenant. And and when Jesus came, when we celebrate communion, how many know when we take the cup, the blood, we say, we read the scripture, said this is the blood, this represents the new covenant. You guys with me? The body represents the body, his body that was broken for you, and then the cup represents the new covenant. He gave us this new covenant, and so much of our journey when he came was he came to restore what was lost. He had a heart to see from the very beginning. If we go back, we see his heart for his kids. We see Adam and Eve, and there's a lot we can learn about Adam and Eve, or I should say there's a lot we can learn from them, especially, and I'm jumping to the end of my sermon at the beginning, but even in the fact of how they commune with God, because they had no sin, they had no needs, yet they communed with him every night, and that was the heart of the Lord. It was to be in communion with his kids, it was to walk with us, it was to be with us, you know what happened? The, the, the curse came in, and Jesus said, that's not okay. So he sent his son. His son came. He died. The, the curse was broken. And we are on the journey of continually doing two things. One is um, becoming aware of what was done on the cross. Amen? I, I think one of the biggest issues in the body of Christ is, is not the devil. It's, it's, it's that we're not aware of what God did. And so it's a journey of learning and becoming aware of what happened on the cross. And the second thing is, is taking that and making that your reality. And so I have found that a lot of people have gotten, that we've made a lot of progress in some areas. Like, for example, <laughs> we begin to really understand God is good. Um, I don't know that we I don't think we'll ever understand the full goodness of how God, good God is. Amen. But, but we're beginning to really get to God's good. And then we began to see it in our worship songs, right? Remember when Good, Good Father came out and we wore it out for month after month after year after year to the point where now we're like, it comes on the radio. I'm like, nope, can't do that one. At least not for us. Like we played it in worship. That was back when I was leading worship. I was like, uh-uh, I'm done. There's a couple of them. That was one of them. You know, second one was, remember the song, blessed be the name of, man, I sung that song so many times, I gave and took away so many times, <laughs> give and take away, <laughs> oh man, we did some of, yeah, I won't get sidetracked, but um, we began to sing about the goodness of the Father, we began in our worship, we began to see breakthrough, and it's still happening, it's not happening quickly, but it is happening, um, I wish it would happen more. Uh, Christian radio can get me in the downer sometimes because it sings about people's problems so much when in reality, like, I want to sing about what... I mean, don't get me wrong. I have no problem, and there's ministering albums to my spirit of someone singing their journey and all, but, but you better have the answer in there somewhere, man, because I don't want to... The bridge is like, and It's terrible. Some, <laughs> I just went to a huge, somebody save, sorry. Um, <laughs> bouncing in and out, of songs, fans. <laughs> and so we begin to see it in worship music, we begin, Tiffany is, as well, so much love about Tiffany. She'll take songs and she'll like custom filter them. She'll love a song and there's like one line in there and she's like, I'm not real big into that line. For example, we sing a song by Josh Baldwin, great song called... Um, it's the one, My fe- the fear doesn't stand a chance. I stand in your love, that's it. And Tiffany was listening to it, and the whole, over and over, the chorus is saying, my fear doesn't stand a chance. She's like, it's not my fear. It's fear, but I'm not claiming it as my fear. So she just twitch- switched it and says, and fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And so we've been intentional about um, just getting every area of uh, our walk with the Lord into this identity of how good he is, the one area that I have seen that feels like it's still on autopilot is prayer life. Um, I get around people, and I, I listen to them, and we have fantastic conversations, and then they go into their prayer life, and it's like, no, it hasn't carried over yet. Um, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, so I am I'm being as gentle as I can. I'm like, I've really like struggled over this because I feel like I first have to teach you some things about um, how not to do it before how to do it. Yeah. And I have biblical reference for that because Jesus did it too. And I'm going to read it to you in a minute because before he did the, the Lord's Prayer, he first said, here's all the ways not to pray. But we all just focus on the Lord's Prayer. But he actually gave some list of things in that time, don't do this. And so let me, just, let me just say a couple things. We're going to be on the topic of prayer for a little while, and there's a reason. We're stepping into these prayer nights, and we're going to begin. Um, I, I feel something on these. I really do. And we're going to start coming together initially on third Thursdays at 7 p.m., and we're just going to pray. But I really wanted to like, talk about this a little bit first before we got into these prayer nights because I, I wanted us to come in and to um, have some understanding how to pray. You with me? Because like scared, um, we've had this in every era. We've had it in prophetic art. I remember we've had people up here in years past that like they didn't understand when they were doing art. Like you know you're you're typically supposed to be connecting what heaven is saying and releasing that. And we had one person that was like drawing all of their inner battles, and it was scary. <laughs> It was like, like snakes and all these things. And it was like I could feel their, their heart behind it. But it was like it was something that at that point we were just starting to step into and it was a new thing. So it was learning like what is God saying about what I'm feeling? And so we want to learn how to pray. We want to learn how to pray. Basically, the biggest shift is when we begin to pray from a place instead of for a place. That's the biggest number one thing is beginning to understand that when I'm praying, I am praying from, not for. And I'm going to try to give you some context for that because I know that sounds immediately like our prayer life is, Lord, I want this. I ask for this. It's all petition. And we see a good example of that, I've always thought, was when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus. And remember when the storm was happening, and Jesus was sleeping in the boat, which is such a unique thing because he was teaching us how to rest in the midst of storms. And remember, the disciples were, ah, and they, Jesus, save us, which would be very much for us like a lot of people's prayer life. Save me. Life is bad. And Jesus came up, and he said something interesting. Now, this is before the cross. He says to them, um... You know, he basically rebukes them in the kindest way and says, why didn't you just speak to the storm? Why didn't you just command it? And then Jesus, and I've I've taught on this recently, so I won't reteach it. He does something interesting. He says, peace, be still. I believe personally that peace, the Bible says he is the king of peace. Peace is when peace shows up, the king has shown up. So I believe when he said, peace, be still, it wasn't a command. It was first a Peace, he was establishing peace, and from that place he said, Be still. You with me? And so Jesus was beginning to even teach them before the cross there's a different way, there's a better way of praying. And so let me just say this if you have a really great prayer life and you're doing really well, maybe you'll get something, maybe you won't from these next few weeks, but good for you. If you feel like you go into prayer and you're like, It's only been two minutes and I'm supposed to pray an hour. And you're watching the clock and you're struggling to connect with the Lord, maybe this will bless you. Because I know so many people that come in with this idea, and what it is, and I and I titled this, Removing Religion from Prayer. The word religion, one of the best definitions I've heard of that, is form without power. That describes a lot of folks' prayer life. Form absent power. I do it all the time, I'm disciplined, but nothing's really happening. And so I want to just dig into some things about how we pray. And so we're going to talk about removing this this form that is absent power from our prayer life so that hopefully we'll begin to experience a lot of power in our prayer life. So Jesus um, with his disciples in Matthew, I'm just going to flip there. You can go there too, Matthew 6 if you want. Jesus does something interesting. The first thing he does is they ask him to tell them how to pray. And before Jesus teaches them how to pray, he first teaches them how not to pray. And he says in verse, uh, verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Jesus didn't mince for words sometimes. For they love to stand and to pray in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward." But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in the secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, (laughs) as the Gentiles do, that they think they will be heard for their many words. This is so interesting. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray like this, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts um, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to teach on the Lord's Prayer today. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But I want to talk to you first about some of the things he was saying. It's interesting because he makes really clear right up front, there is ways to pray that are wrong. I mean, I didn't say it. He did. I think mentally we think, well, if you're praying, great. Um, he lays some context out here that says there is ways that are not effective to pray. I do not believe that the scripture means to only pray in secret because Jesus didn't only pray in the secret. So don't believe that it means just praying. Some people are like, "Well, there you go. It's next time you ask me to pray in public. That's my go-to. Nah That's not. That's not true. But he's, he's, he is addressing, he's swinging it the other way to people that say, man, you like to be in the public. You like to pray with lots of words. These are the people that like to pray in King James. Jesus, hallelujah. Thou is great. And... Uh, <laughs> One of my good friends, Randall Worley, I love listening to him preach because he's got a history in that. And he'll get excited and you'll watch it start coming out. He goes from like this, oh, to this, Jesus. And he's like, John, it just slips out sometimes, you know. He's like, it just comes back out, my, my, my charismatic Pentecostal upbringing. And so, um, but, but Jesus was trying to address these guys. That, Listen, you don't have to say a lot. I think often if, you were to, if I were to put most of you in a prayer circle and, I, and you felt like you had to pray, you would immediately feel like, I need to have a good bit to say. Jesus says, all right, you don't have to have a lot to say. You don't even need to have the, the greatest sounding prayers. And he, he, he simply put to them, he said, you're praying wrong. And the reality is, is that I believe that we can operate in powerful spiritual gifts and make tremendous sacrifices, but... In the end, so much of this stuff, like this doesn't impress God. He's not impressed by that. One of the things that we we learn from beginning to study uh, about prayer is that God is far more interested in your heart attitude than what you're saying. Let me say that again. He is far more interested in your heart than what's actually coming out of your mouth. Which is why a little child of pure innocence can lay hands and just say, Jesus, touch them. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? Why? Because their heart of innocence is just pure. God's going to do it. Why? I don't know, because I've been told he would. I haven't had enough bad situations to give me bad theology yet. So I still believe in Jesus. Our situations will create these things for us, the way we see the world. I did it last week with this, this mirror and these filters and things that shift how we see, when in all reality, it's very simple. And I want to say this, and I, 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 unanswered prayers are never on God's end. Now, that's a hard statement. Um, and the thing is, is that there's a couple things that we do know. We know that Jesus never prayed for anyone in the Bible, and it didn't happen. Now, we've all prayed for somebody, and something didn't happen. So there is no condemnation on you. I've done it many, many times. And I know this is going to open a whole new topic of what about the will of God and all this stuff. But I know this. It's never, on, it's never a problem that he couldn't do it. And so when I go in with praying for someone, the first thing you need to begin to realize is there's no, I'm not twisting God's arm here. It's not going to be hard for him to do this. And most Christians see prayer as a time where they are trying to move God, right? (laughs) We're going to move God. (laughs) We're going to move him to do something that he didn't want to do. You guys are looking guilty. This is how we pray. We're going to move God because he doesn't want to do this, and we're going to convince him to do it. And if I pray long enough and I pray hard enough and I spit enough and I, and I move around and I jump enough, he's going to move. I know he doesn't want to, but I will convince him. That's not a good foundation for prayer. It's a, actually a really bad foundation for prayer. And most people may not see it as a big deal, but God has... Let me say it this way. God, when he died on the cross, has already done everything he's going to do about healing, breakthrough, sickness, salvation. He did it all. He has nothing left to do. So let's, let's start there. There's nothing left. He's not in heaven saying, oh, I missed one. I knew it. It's done. The gift is there. The present is there. Our problem, our whole process of coming to the Lord in prayer is not about getting him to give something. It's already been given, right? The gift has already been given. Salvation is a gift, right? It's already been given. The, The battle is all the stuff between you and the gift that you're trying to get through. The battle is... The battle is someone died, and now I I have a hard time believing that God will heal the sick. The battle is all the things in the middle between you and the gift that's already been given and you coming to him. But the problem is is if you're praying from a perspective of like you're begging God for something, he's already given it. So realizing right up front that salvation healing, all these different elements, he's already done what he's going to do. So how do I appropriate everything on the cross, right? That's the journey. That's the question. It's the great adventure is to, for us to begin to learn how to believe it and how to receive it. And a lot of us have gotten really good at believing it. We haven't really gotten good at receiving I remember the first time Brian Simmons came here, he said something. I don't know why I found it so comical. He was, he was asking people to be prayed for, and he said, if you're being prayed for, he said, don't pray, receive. And you learn how uncomfortable people get when they're being prayed for just to be quiet. He's like, he, yeah, I remember he said, you can't kiss and talk. It was just so funny. It was I don't know, it just made me laugh. He said, God wants to kiss you, and he's like, you can't kiss and talk. And it was like, ever since then, I just, heard time I'm with the Lord, I'm like, sometimes you just need to be quiet and stop trying to convince him of something. And for many of us, this, this faulty foundation of understanding our prayer life is actually, I'm going to take you on a little journey here, actually started at a faulty understanding of how salvation works. Because the idea... <laughs> the idea of a sinner's prayer implies that we ask something of God and, and hopefully he will respond to it. But here's the thing. Acts, let's just open our Bibles because I need to give you some scripture so you don't walk out on me. Acts chapter 16. I wish I'd brought a different translation, but this will work. Acts 16 verse uh, 30. Verse 30. Um, then he brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Then he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then spoke the... Um, yeah, I don't need to keep reading. He says, what do we need to do? Isn't it interesting that the immediately thought was always, what do I need to do? It's, it's been the question of every, every believer is always wanting to, Everybody's always wanting to know, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, you just need to believe... And receive. Would you all agree with that? I know you're unsure where I'm going this morning, so you're 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 pulling your amens a little bit. I can feel it. It's all right. It's all right. But do we believe that in salvation you believe and receive? Okay, that's that's important. This is we are instructed to believe and receive opposed opposed to the idea of requesting and receiving. This is important. Believe and receive, not request and receive. So even in a lot, and it doesn't challenge, let me just say this, God is so merciful. If we, we are, I bet we'll look back a few, like we won't look back, but someone will look back hundreds of years from now and be like, remember when they used to pray that way? And God has shown them so much. I think you'll look back, and God is so merciful, and he hears your prayers, and he loves you. But there's an invitation constantly to how can we do this? How can we understand our identity better? And there's a big difference between believing that he has already done it and receiving it versus asking him to do something and then receiving it. Now, it says in Colossians 2, verse 6, there's an interesting scripture that says, therefore, as you received Christ, now we all just agreed in how to receive Christ. You believe and receive. And then it says, therefore, as you received Christ, so walk in him. Now, interesting. Stop right there. The same way that you received your salvation from the Lord is the same way that you walk in him. You pray in him. You live in him what how did you receive salvation i believed and i received that is the foundation of your prayer life yes. is believe and receive so our understanding of how we received christ actually can be a pretty big filter on how we do life if um Here in the South, it's known for its fiery altar calls. And maybe you gave your life to the Lord in that, and that's okay. But if your interpretation is turn or burn, it's going to carry over into your prayer life. It's going to carry over into all these different areas. Why? Because how you started this thing is how you will walk this thing out. And if you didn't start with that understanding, let's begin to root into it. I have to believe and receive what he's saying. And so our understanding of receiving salvation is this baseline of how we communicate with God. And the reality is the greatest manifestation of the power of God that anyone, anyone in this room will ever receive was when you gave your life to Jesus. Like that is the greatest manifestation of the power of God is that he took somebody from the mess they were in and he pulled you out of that and he set you in this kingdom. It is bigger than someone being pulled out of a wheelchair, someone being raised from the dead. It is the greatest manifestation. But here's the thing. We, the, the scripture said that is the framework for how you do life. Here's the cool thing. You didn't, uh, before Christ, you didn't work your way into salvation. This is the beauty of salvation. You didn't tithe your way into it. You didn't fast your way into it. It was purely that he had already given it, and you believed it, and you received it. See, when we begin to understand that it's not an issue of how to receive, there are things, don't get me wrong, there are times when you may need to fast just because you need to get clarity. But that's about things you need to do. He's not going to be more, (laughs) he's not more likely to give it to you than someone who 40-day fasted. That doesn't matter to him. Now, you may have needed to fast, You see, there's this stuff in front of you that maybe some of it is just, I need to break some habits and I'm going to go into a season of discipline and fasting to break this because I know there are things that are stopping me from receiving this gift. That's fantastic. But it has nothing to do with the giver. You understand why I'm going here? Because when we pray, we don't want to be praying from a place that we're still trying to get him to give what he's already given. So for me... It would be praying, um, uh, there's so many different ways. If you're believing for finances, instead of the mindset of, Lord, would you just, would you, you know, I need this, I need this. It would be, Father, I thank you that you've already provided everything I need. Would you please show me, Father, areas that things need to adjust? Or, or Lord, would you open these, the doors of provision that I'm not seeing? It's beginning to change it and say that it's actually on my end. He's done his end. And it changes things. When we begin to realize we're we're praying from a place of victory. You with me? Jesus had such a different perspective on all of this because even when he would tell people, he told his disciples, he said, go out and heal the sick. I love that he didn't tell them to pray for the sick. Such a confidence. Go heal the sick. You guys know who John G. Lake is? Yes? Yes. Some of you? (laughs) John G. Lake was a a healing evangelist, I guess you would say, and had tremendous, tremendous um, success with praying for people that needed healing. I mean tremendous success. And he had uh, an interesting way of doing it. He had people that he called healing practitioners. This is cool. He raised up people that were healing practitioners, and he would send them out to pray for people. And here's the deal. He'd say, don't come back till they're healed. You want to know that the longest it ever took one of his healing practitioners to see somebody healed was three and a half weeks. Every other one, they were healed and they came back. The longest it took was three and a half weeks. I think we have to begin to change the way that we see things You may not know this, but even in our history in the church, the way that we see salvation now is not the way they saw it previously. It was thought to be a very big process of giving your life to the Lord. Like now we know, if I were to ask everybody in this room, hey, um, do you believe that if someone right now wanted to give their life to the Lord, could it happen right now? Easy. That's that's, That's a slow pitch. Of course. That's not what they understood in the past, though. It was a process. There was, like, they thought it was sometimes weeks, if not months, of weeping and travailing themselves into the kingdom. It's not like that anymore. Why? Because we have had a greater revelation of the Father, and we understand, listen, one in a moment, I can take this passage in Acts. I can believe and receive, and I am a child of God. Could it be that much of our prayer life, we just still haven't, figured out that in a moment it can happen yeah. 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 prayer is not the prayer is prayer is not twisting God's arm I hear that so often and I want to take this on because I don't want us to come together and pray from a place like we're trying to like you know, strong-arm God and get his arm behind his back and like, you're going to do this. Please, you know. It's not how it works. You're not, you're, not, you're not twisting his arm. He's not in heaven saying, man, you know what? I bet if you fasted one more week, I'd hear you. Some of you, that's one more week than you fasted in a long time. <laughs> we used to do twenty day, one day fast a lot. Was, and there's a lot of great things happen. But man, there's certain foods I still can't eat from all those Daniel fasts. Um, people would be like, you want some of this? And I'd be like, nope, can't ever eat it again. It's done. It's, it's, it's done. But there is, there, is, there is not this process, though, when we come and pray, Lord, would you just open the heavens? I, I, I get it. That's something we've always prayed. But he's up there like, I actually never shut them. They never closed back up. Now, he's gracious to hear you. But maybe it's a lot of work instead of just coming and realizing, Lord, those heavens are open, Father. You know, praying from an open heaven, not for an open heaven. It changes the way you pray. You with me? I I, I know I'm moving through this quickly, and that's okay. I, I, I knew I'd get through it quick. He is teaching us these keys of the kingdom. And prayer is one that it needs a reformation in the body of Christ. Um, I would love to see a reformation of it in what we call intercession. And I, I love intercess. My mom's an intercessor. She's interceded my whole life. Just. And, uh, but I see so many intercessors at times carrying the burdens of the world. They don't know how to let them go. They don't know how to pray often from a place of victory, and, and, and my experience have been some of typically the people who get the most offended the most quickly or over time is intercessors because they don't know how to pray from, instead of they get caught up in this place where you're not meant to live. You're not meant to live there. And God is saying, there's all these scriptures that are teaching us about who we are in Christ. My goodness, go just read the first three chapters of Ephesians if you want to get pumped up, man. And you're going to be like, this is me. I can take on anything. You read, I mean, chapter 2 somewhere, there's talks about the angels come and they're watching you. That blows my mind, that angels are watching you. They're like, whoa. I don't really know why. The scripture doesn't say why. I have no idea. I imagine they're like... This is crazy because this person was doing this a few years ago. How are they doing this? They're amazed by grace. And they're watching you and they're enthralled with you. And when we begin to understand who we are, but we have to get that over here into prayer. And here we go. We don't have to be desperate. This is a big deal. I love passion. Passion's needed. A marriage without passion will be very unhappy. But I don't ever want my wife to feel desperate for my attention. We used to sing a song, and God blessed it, and it was mighty for many years. Um, and it was called uh, a Breathe. And uh, I'm desperate for you. I had amazing encounters with that song. But I'm learning more and more that I don't have to be desperate for him. He's not a father that's saying, I want my kids to be desperate for me. Now, songs and things can move us to connect with the heart of the Father. But he's trying to bring us to a place where he's saying, you don't have to be desperate for me. I'm right here. You with me? We we don't need to come in from a place of desperation. We come in from a place of saying, you know, it's actually already been taken care of. I just need the Lord to help to show me how this is going to play out. You know, there was a big movement that for many years, and I know it got kind of crooked in certain areas. It was the whole name it and claim it thing, and, and and some of the areas that it got really off track was it kind of got, you know, in some areas it just began to be about things. But there was such a even a revelation of understanding, like it was already like they begin to understand it's there, it's mine. I just have to begin to name these things. I've had some wild experiences recently. The Lord took me through a season of just honestly challenging me to begin to um, share things that were my heart, like that I, I hate putting things that I want out in public because I feel like it can get quickly manipulative. And um, there's a couple things that I had, I'd really wanted. One of them was a grand piano. I, I've, I've always wanted a grand piano. They're kind of expensive. <laughs> like used ones are like $10,000, you know, and uh, they're like $20,000, $30,000 new. And I, I, had, I had always wanted one. And I felt the Lord said, John, just just make your, make your heart known. And so I put a thing out there. I was like, if anyone knows of somebody getting rid of one. I didn't even know what to say. I'm like, I can't buy it, but if you know one, let me know. <laughs> I didn't know how to write it. I, was just, I put it out there. Nobody wrote anything, right? For the most part. Some people sent me some links and stuff, but it was pretty quiet. I was like, okay, this is awkward. And um, like three to, three to six months later, Someone reaches out to me and says, you still looking for a piano? Now, I had particulars. I'm, I'm a musician. I'm like, God, if you're going to give it to me, I want to let you know what I want. Right. I'm not just going for like a big piece of something in my room that's like a clunker. I'm like, if you're going to do it, let's do it right. And so like, I want a Yamaha. I want a baby grand. I want it this size. And I had all this stuff in my mind. I told T- Tiffy knows all this stuff. And someone reaches out to me and says, "Hey, you still looking for a piano?" I said, "Yeah." And uh, he says, "I got one. It's a, it's a baby grand, it's a Yamaha." <laughs> and he said, uh, "If you want it, I think it's yours." Now here's the interesting here's where things get weird. Um, when I had asked that the piano belonged to his mother, and she had just passed away, and I'd asked for it, I put it out there before this lady had even passed away. And he reached out and said, she always played worship on it. All we want is it in a home where it's worshiped on. And it was a spotless, spotless, beautiful piano. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm encouraging you to go out there and just start, Lord, I want this. I'm saying that I began to understand there's a place with the Father where he began to bring me. It got embarrassing. Like, it got, like, weird. Things that I wanted, and then it would happen. And then you begin realizing, like, I don't even have the capacity to know how to receive blessings that much. We're really good at begging, we're really bad at receiving because most of our prayer life and most of the things we've been taught is begging. We're great at it. But when it starts happening, it's like, this is awkward, it's actually happening. Like the things I've been asking for, they're actually happening, and um, there was about three different. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Things I didn't even tell people. Micah was one of them. It was like a list of three things I always wanted to go to a Chicago Bulls game. When I was a kid, Jordan was the big guy, and like I, I just never been to a Bulls game. And Micah calls me at like, oh my gosh, 5 p.m. He's like, hey, I got two great seats to a Bulls game. You want to go? I'm like. I, I had canceled a meeting. It was bad, but I, they, I called him first. I was like, "Hey," uh, uh, <laughs> it wasn't like counseling, all right? It was a different kind of meeting. <laughs> Someone's sitting here like, "Oh, that's why," that's why. <laughs> Thankfully, it was this right. It was Mikey, and it was a it was a board meeting thing. And I told Mikey, and he was he was like, "Dude, go." I, I, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, funny part was I actually didn't say it right at first. I just said, dude, I got two tickets for the Bulls game. He thought I was inviting him. And then it got awkward. I was like, oh, you're not invited. I just wanted to let you know. That. And he was just like, Psh, whatever, dude. It's like, whatever. I began to go through this process of thing after thing, and I got a text message from, um, her name's Penny Worley. She's Randall's wife, and she said, John, I think the Lord wants to begin to show you. She said, I know it can get unhealthy, but you're in a season if he wants to show you how much he loves you and begin to ask for the things that are your heart. And uh, I think so many of us, we have been so trained. We've trained ourselves in ways that are not His desire, don't get me, there's things we have to endure for, there are things that we have to press in for, I get that. But again, it's not on his end, it's on ours. And he wants us to begin to learn how to pray from a place of, the victory is there, it's done. Just enforcing it. We're letting the enemy know in every area, you lost there too. You lost there too. You lost that too. I don't. I'm gonna have to land this thing. Long prayers. I love how Jesus said, "Don't have to be long." You know, there's only two times in the whole, in the Bible where Jesus was recording recorded praying through the night, and I think a lot of people think about those. Are like, what about those times? Well, he was getting ready to be crucified, and and that was a place that he was with the Father that he needed. But he also said, "Lazarus, wake up." He also said, peace be still. And he understood that it was not about coming in with a formula. God is so great about not letting... He does not like formulas if you haven't figured that out. Because as soon as you think you figured out the formula, he'll change it. We do a lot of dream interpretation, and it's always been fun. And I remember hearing a story. It made me laugh because... um, Bethel Church out in Reading had begun to teach people how to do dream interpretation. And there's some things that are pretty typical in your dreams that it's just how it works. But you always have to bring it to the Lord. Yeah. Anytime that you're trying to understand a dream, I don't care what kind of formulas you have, you still need to bring it to the Lord. Yeah. And these, all these students had began to do dream interpretation, and they were just doing it like from the manual. Like, oh, well, that color means that, that means that, that means that. All of a sudden, they began to have terrible dreams, all of them. And it was like, I remember hearing Bill tell the stories like, this is bad. Like, everyone's having bad dreams. And the story was that God had reversed everything from what they'd been taught. And in the dreams, if red meant bad, now red meant good. Why? Because they had removed relationship and replaced it with formula. And God has always been in a place where he does not let us get to a place where, oh, I've got it. This is how it works. There always has to be relationship. But the point is, is that in prayer life, he wants us to pray from a place of relationship. As we come together on these Thursday nights, we're not coming together to beg God or twist his arm for anything. We're coming together to declare, as he said, what has already been taken care of. We are releasing that into these situations. And we're going to see breakthrough. But it comes when we begin to say, Lord, is there a different way to do this? (laughs) I was reading a book recently, and um, I've really been taking some time to read and study on prayer. And uh, the guy that wrote it had such a funny little line in it because he said, every day, he's like, I had heard you pray an hour a day. So he's like, then I'll pray three hours a day because it must be three times as effective. (laughs) He's a very well known minister. And he said, every time I get to that, like, he's like, I'd start at this time, and prayer would be at 7 a.m., and I'd get into that 7 a.m. hour, and he's like, it was like the clock stopped, and it got slower. And he said, and he, was, he said, I feel bad admitting this, but the prayer part was the worst part of my devotion life. And he said, so one day, I just decided to tell God, God, this is really hard. He said, when the clock hits 7, It's brutal. And he said, matter of fact, 15 minutes before seven, I start dreading it. And he said, God said to him, I feel the same way. <laughs> he said, He said, God told him, said, at six o'clock, I start dreading seven o'clock. He said, because all you're doing is coming in with your formulas, and there's no relationship. And God said, I don't enjoy it either. Some of you may not believe that, but Jesus is God. And Jesus said in Matthew, I don't enjoy this. This is not good to pray this way. Now, I believe he's merciful, but I believe there's things that we're doing that he's like, you know, I would really love it if you just sit down with me and just talk to me. And I don't have time. I got to end here, but we, we would learn a lot if we would begin to just understand some things. It talks about Um, In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, there's the scripture that says, pray without ceasing. That right there challenges a lot of our prayer life because if prayer is coming and praying for an hour, what do you do? You you quit your job, leave your family, and go pray forever? There must be more to prayer. There must be more. And I've come to the conclusion it's a lot like this, and I'll end on this. If someone were to ask me, John, how much did you talk, how much... uh, how much time did you spend with your wife yesterday? Because that's how we would ask somebody in prayer. How much time did you spend with the Lord yesterday? And we're asking, how much time did you pray? Whatever. I, I spent all day with my wife yesterday. We may not have talked every minute of the day, but we were together every minute of the day. When you begin to understand the scripture that says that there is now therefore no separation There are times that I need to, and we do it all the time, ask my kids. We need to just go talk, and we need to just have some time to connect. We have a date night once a week. We have conversations where we need to go shut the door and just talk. But your prayer life, there are times when you need to shut off the whole world and just connect with him. But to understand that pray without ceasing is not about a process, it's about a place of understanding that I am in him, he is in me. There's no separation. I am in communion with him continually. But I don't have to be asking anything. So if, if you removed all of the repenting and requesting from your prayer life, what would be left? That's, that's what it's built around typically. And those things are okay. But it's not all God wants to do. He is so much more for you than just come and repent, come and request. I can tell you right now, if the only time I talked to my wife was when I wanted something, I mean, God's good, but that wouldn't work in our marriage. I'm just laying, it may feel basic to some of you, but I really, I actually believe it's, it's, it's not so basic as you think because I hear it in how people pray. And I want us to begin to challenge ourselves to how we pray. Am I praying from this place of God is good? Am I praying from knowing that the gift's already been given? Now, there may be stuff between me and taking that gift, but it's already been given. And let me just say this. You know, one of the greatest things, About some, I mean, I guess this can be with friends too, right? But with my spouse, one of the greatest things with Tiffany is that we can sit together, and I don't have to say anything. And she doesn't have to say anything. We're not ignoring each other. It's that we genuinely just enjoy each other's presence, and we don't have to impress the other person. There's a place in your prayer life where you can just sit with him. He loves it. You got real quiet. We get uncomfortable when we stop talking. And sometimes in a relationship, the ability to sit together in connection, being connected, not some people sit together and they can't stand each other and they just don't talk. That's different. You need counseling. But <laughs> to be able to sit together and just be To sit on the beach and to watch the ocean and not have to say a word. And I don't have to worry like I do with other people. Other people, I'll be like, I'm I'm feeling like I have to carry the conversation because I may not know if we're feeling connected. But with my wife, I can sit there and I know we're good. We love being in each other's presence. It's okay at times in your communion just to be in his presence. That's what I loved about what we experienced this morning in that back room. I was so blessed. I I didn't know what was going to happen. We just put on music, and people were praying over people. People were prophesying over people. People were worshiping. Some people just sat in quiet. That is being in prayer at all times. It's a constant, Lord, I'm aware of you, but we still have life to do. It doesn't mean you do it without him. It means I learned how to do it with him. Yeah. So this is, this is, we're just kicking the door open a little bit this morning. But I want you to begin to, I really want to push you to look, at your, look inward on this. Some of you, I have a feeling with a room this big, a lot of you have a hard time even praying. A lot of people, their prayer life, they, they, when it comes time to how to commune with God, they have no idea. Because they've tried for so long to do it one way, and it's like, that's so hard. And maybe you've got a way that's different than this. I'm not telling you, I figured it out, and it works for you. Go for it. But I feel like God wants us to understand that we can just come and be in communion like Adam and Eve, where there's no problems. I just want to be with you. Because you're not impressing him. He just loves when you show up. <laughs> Amen. Amen? Being called to a season of prayer. I, I, have, I have struggled with this. Not in, like, I love prayer, but I know what typically is autopilot when you have prayer meetings. And it's like, Lord, I, it's, it's hard for me. And that's why I'm teaching on this, it's like because I want us to understand better how to pray. How to pray from victory? How not to come in and just be trying to, you know, fight off every spirit we can find, and and then, I mean, and just coming in, Lord, what are you saying? We're going to say what you're saying tonight. Amen. All right, let's stand up. Thanks. We do have a. uh, Let me just say this before I release you. Just a reminder: we have the newcomer lunch. They already said that in announcements, but um, if you're going to that lunch, you're just going to go out these doors down that hall and in the back room. That's where it's at. All right. Lord, thank you so much that it still blows my mind, Lord, that the God of the universe is so passionate about just sitting down with us. Every, every time, every moment of the day that I just simply just turn my affection to you, your eyes are on me. It blows my mind. It's so, it's, there's no striving. I guess that's what it really is, is removing the striving from our prayer life. Just removing that thing out and understanding that we are children of God. So, Lord, I've, I've shared this the best I know how. I ask that you would open our hearts. You'd open our eyes. You would give us the courage to look at areas that maybe we've done certain things for a really long time and, you, and just to hear your voice, to say, is there a, a way that lo- we can do this better, Lord? Even if it hurts, because growing pains hurt, but they, they result in maturity. So, Lord, we honor you. We thank you for what you've already done this morning and what you're going to do. I want to welcome up any prayer team members that are on the schedule to pray today. So I'm going to call them up. And I'm going to pray while they're walking up here. I'm just going to pray over you guys. Lord, bless everyone here. Father, bless their homes, their families. God, may we continue coming to a greater awareness of just how great you are, but also, Lord, just how great you think we are. You're a proud dad of his kids. And so, Lord, would you just continually open our hearts and our eyes to that? We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, If you need prayer, uh, these amazing folks. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.